go loopy loo. Here we go loopy light. Here we go loopy loo. All on a Saturday night. Hello, this is Luby with Luby's Lullabies. I can't resist reading another little part, another chapter from the book The Music Shop by Rachel Joyce. And hopefully by the end of this chapter, you might be enticed enough to read the rest of the book or to go out and buy it or find it somewhere online or whatever. Anyway, in the last, no, in chapter three, the end of chapter three ended on a slight cliffhanger, if that's what you want to say, when, um, when Frank saw this woman outside the door of his shop on Unity Street and she was looking straight at him. Then we had the little chapter about um, the shop and how he acquired it and how it came about. And this chapter is chapter five, The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Can't resist it, sorry. She was standing outside, a woman in a green coat. Afterwards, he could have sworn she was trying to tell him something, that there was a special glimmer in her eyes even then, but that was probably one of those details that came with hindsight. The simple fact was that one minute there she was, pale face pressed to the window, her hands cupped to her head like two small flaps, and then, bang, the pavement seemed to swallow her. She was gone. Did you see that? called Father Anthony. His mouth gave up and he stopped talking. Frank loped to the door and threw it open, followed by Kit, Maud and the old priest. The woman was lying on her back on the pavement, caught in the river of light from the music shop. She was still and absolutely straight. Her hands were flat at her sides, she was wearing gloves, and her shoes poked upwards. He had never seen her before. What could have happened? said Father Anthony. Oh my God, is she dead? asked Kit. Frank was at her side and on his knees without noticing, though once he was down, he sort of wished he was back up. The woman's eyes were closed and there was no trace of blood. Her face was small and definite, her mouth and nose almost too big, slim eyebrows, a delicate chin that appeared even smaller given the exaggerated width of her jawbone, a neck as long as a stem and the skin around her nose so freckled that it was as if someone had dipped a, pe a brush in paint and spat at her just for the fun of it. There was something about her that was both fragile and incredibly strong. Father Anthony unbuttoned his cardigan and draped it over her. Kit's training as a St John's ambulance cadet now crashed to the fore and he too ran to help. The most important thing in an emergency, he said, was to assess the situation as quickly as possible without panic and then to offer the patient as reassurance. If she required medical attention, he would do his best, though the honest truth was he hadn't progressed beyond bandaging a table leg. <laughs> her pulse, Frank, whispered Frank, uh, Father Anthony, feel her pulse. Frank slipped his fingertips beneath her collar. Her skin was so soft. It was like something touching something you shouldn't. Is she breathing? asked Kit, sounding panicky. I don't know. At the age of 40, Frank had only seen one dead body, and that was his mother's. This stillness didn't feel final. It was more as though the woman had put herself on hold. She might be in her late 20s, 30 at a push. By now, a few people had appeared from the house opposite. Somebody said, um, said to fetch blankets. Someone else said to get her into the warmth. Another person said you shouldn't move her in case her neck was broken. Then a man began to shout about ringing for an ambulance. The chaos was completely at odds with the stillness that seemed to wind the finest thread around Frank and this woman, pulling them together and away from everything else. 
the rest of the world had receded, irrelevant, watery, distant. Hello, said Frank. Can you hear me? Hello. A flicker of life crept into her face. Slowly her eyelids lifted. It came as a shock to meet her eyes. They were astonishingly large and black as vinyl. She's alive, someone shouted, and someone else said, she opened her eyes. They still sounded miles away. She fixed Frank with those great big eyes. She didn't smile. She just stared as if she was seeing right through to the heart of him. Then they closed again. Father Anthony bowed closer. Keep talking. Keep talking. What could Frank say? He was used to people standing at his turntable, a little nervous, a little ordinary, but not stretched out on the pavement and swinging in and out of wakefulness. You have to stay with me. You have to keep listening to me, okay? He realised how cold it was. Even with his jacket on, he was trembling. Stay with me, he said. I'm here. He thought that sounded pretty much like someone who knew what he was talking about, so he said it again in a slightly extended long player version. You must stay with me because I am here, she didn't respond. We'd better carry her inside, said Father Anthony. Frank bent closer. He attempted to lift the woman without appearing to do so, uh, do anything so intimate as touch her. As he brought her to sitting, her head flopped against his mouth and he smelt the musk of her hair. So now here he was on his knees with a sleeping or possibly unconscious woman in his arms, but not, he was pretty sure now, a dying one, and a crowd of people urging him to stand up and stay put, wait for an ambulance, get her inside. Shall I help us, Kit? Now blowing on her in an effort to keep her warm. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> Please don't, said Frank. To his relief, Father Anthony knelt opposite. He had clearly done this kind of thing before. He whispered, ready? And then he seemed to bear the weight of the woman as the two men rose to their feet. You take her now, said Father Anthony. Me? Don't look so terrified. I'm right beside you. Frank carried her towards the shop, feeling the way with his plimsolls. It seemed to take an unconsciously long uh, time. Now that she was in his arms, there was more of her than he had imagined, and his legs were turned to mush. Years ago, he had to help his mother up the stairs if, he'd, if she'd had one too many gin cocktails, but no one in their right mind would have attempted lifting Peg. She'd have flattened you. Kit rushed ahead to swing open the door, and inside the shop, Father Anthony pulled crates out of the way to clear a space on the Persian runner, while Maud appeared with towels and an industrial-sized bottle of Dettol. What she intended to do with them, no one dared ask. Frank lowered the woman to the ground. Go and fetch her a blanket. Who said that? Probably Father Anthony. Upstairs in his flat, Frank pushed past boxes of records. He couldn't think straight. A feeling had whirled up from somewhere deep inside him. He didn't even know where, some place out in the shadows where things happened from a different time or a part of his life that he had left behind. It was the way she had gazed up at him. Eyes closed and then bing! A look of such radiance and intensity he couldn't see how he could ever get away from it. Frank lumbered from room to room, grabbing things as he saw them, a blanket, a glass of water, some plasters, and then, just as he reached the stairs, it occurred to him she might be hungry, so he ran back for a box of Ritz crackers. By the time he made it down, the shop was full. People were offering coats, a few had fetched blankets, but this but the woman was already on her feet. She looked even lovelier now than she was now that she was vertical. Despite the excitement around her, she remained with her spine very straight, her neck tall and her arms folded back like a pair of wings. She just seemed to be in a different space from everyone else. Her dark hair was half pinned up, half falling down. 
She checked her coat and her tie belt, not that either of them was remotely wonky, and then her gaze roamed the crowd and it settled on Frank. Once again their eyes locked and everything else in the shop gave way and disappeared. Was mach ich hier? she murmured. Her voice was hushed and broken, as if she had a cold. Then in English, excuse me. She made a rush for the door. People were saying, who are you? What happened? Are you okay now? Kit was calling, wait, wait, and someone else was saying, stop, stop. They had rung for an ambulance, but she took no notice. She rushed past, almost rudely, threw herself out of the shop and turned right in the direction of the city centre. Frank stepped outside and watched as she rushed past the religious gift shop, the funeral parlour, the Polish bakery and the pub on the corner. Her shoes went crack, crack on the sparkling pavement as if she was snapping things in half. Street lamps bored funnels into the dark and, and the windows of the houses opposite were yellow squares. At the end of Unity Street, she turned left and towards Castlegate. She didn't even look back. It was years since Frank had felt so naked and light. He had to lean against the door and breathe deeply. He wondered if he was coming down with something. When Frank was 25, his mother hit the earth like a falling planet. Afterwards, he sat every day at her bedside, unable to move. More clothes than man, staring at the tube taped to her mouth, the clipboard at the foot of her bed, not to mention the plastic cups of coffee or beef soup, it all looked the same, that he had bought from the vending machine and failed to drink. She left him her entire music collection, the old Danset Major, the endless boxes of vinyl, and then came the other news, and it was like being ripped open. He couldn't even sing Hallelujah at her funeral. Who was that woman, Father Anthony asked again uh, in England's glory later. He held a glass of pineapple juice because he was teetotal these days. The man who only liked Chopin had bought a full round and he was sharing a, a, a bar stall with Kit. Mr Novak the baker had joined them, his grey hair freshly slicked and his trousers pressed with a crease. It always came as a surprise to see him without a coating of flour. Plastic bunting hung from above the bar at the royal from the royal wedding two years ago. Everyone wanted to speculate about the foreign woman who had fainted. Even the regulars began to chip in. A line of old men at the bar agreed she must have been on holiday. A woman in curlers wondered if she was on the run, while a man with three teeth suggested she could have been a doctor. They wore green coats. So do leprechauns, said Maud. She looked like a film star to me, said Kit. Don't be a pillock. Why would a film star come all the way out here? Well, I don't know. Maybe she was lost. Maybe she was a lost film star. The man who only liked Chopin regretted he hadn't seen her properly. He'd been so caught up in Arita, the first he knew of the woman fainting was when the door of the booth opened and saw her running away. He asked if anyone fancied pork scratchings. I do, said Kit. Father Anthony agreed that regardless of whether or not she was a tourist, a doctor or indeed a film star, she didn't look like the sort of person who usually came down Unity Street. She was elegantly dressed for a start. Her clothes were actually colour-coordinated and appeared to have no holes, though why a woman would fall to the ground outside a music shop remained a mystery. A wonderful accident. So why did she faint, repeated Kit? Why, indeed. Again, everyone had a host of opinions, even the people who hadn't been there, especially them, in fact. Was it the cold? Was she ill? Low blood pressure? Was she on drugs? Or had she just not eaten all day? The more they guessed, the more mysterious and enchanting she became. Maud grabbed her drink and sucked uh, with unnecessary violence on the straw. 
Anyone would think none of you had seen a woman before. She had a point. Anyone would think you never left Unity Street. Yet again, Maud had a point. The woman probably got hit by a piece of falling masonry. She'd probably sue you for damages, Frank. She sat hunched over his beer, not really drinking and not speaking either. There was something completely different about her, something he had never met before. It wasn't the way she dressed. It wasn't even the way she looked or spoke. What was it? He couldn't get it. His thoughts seemed made of wood. The Williams brothers arrived from the funeral parlour, muffled up against the cold. Williams number one ordered port and lemon at the bar, while Williams number two fetched chairs. They too had heard all about the woman. Apparently you almost dropped her, said Williams. Was this number one or number two? Impossible to know. For a time they had worn different ties to help people tell them apart, but there was a rumour they had swapped them, just for the fun of it. Shame you two didn't get there first, said Maud. She'd have been in a hole by now. <laughs> no one quite knew what to do with that remark. They decided to sit very still and wait for it to go away. Pete the barman put down his tea towel and began to grin. Shame she didn't need the kiss of life, eh, Frank? Know what I mean? Well, everyone thought that was hilarious. Kiff laughed so hard, he almost catapulted Chopin Man off their bar stool. Are you all right, said Father Anthony. You're not, you've not made a sound. <clears throat> that was it, Frank got it. He realised the thing that was so different about her. Oh my goodness. The next chapter is called The Magic of Silence. I'm not going to read it now, and I'm not sure I'm going to read it for you. I think you might have to get it yourself. There's so many um, colloquialisms in here, and there's so many words from the English language, and there's so many things um, that relate to the period of time that it was, that I'm not sure that if you aren't English, um, and born in that, even in that era, but know of the words, you may not be acquainted with them, which makes it kind of interesting. But anyway, I'm here, so I will be able to open um, some questions for you at some time on my emails, if you are interested to do so. Um, the email address is luby at lubieslullabies.com. I'm more than happy to uh, listen to your queries and any requests you may have. But for today, I'd like to thank you for listening to More of the Music Shop by Rachel Joyce. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.